Welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural well-being, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we are equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your well-being journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome to episode five of The Three Little Things. This is an extra special episode today because we're in a real life studio, which I think is just super exciting. And we're all sitting here with our fancy little microphones and and headphones on. So episode five is coming to you from a real life studio. And episode five is another exciting one. We have another special guest today. And we're going to be talking about all things sort of pregnancy, birth and labor. And we have the beautiful Brooke, who is a doula, joining us today. So Brooke, tell us a little bit about yourself. Start off with telling us who you are. Sure. So firstly, thank you for inviting me. This is very exciting to be in a proper live recording studio. I feel very professional. <laughs> um, a little bit about me. So I've been doula for, that is a technical term, doula When people ask me sort of, you know, what is it that you do when you're looking after women, it's doula um, for 13 years. And prior to my doula career, I actually studied acting for three years. Wow. When I was in high school, I thought that I was going to be an actor and that that was my chosen career. But then in the background, I had also kind of considered being a midwife. So I sort of came full circle. And once I graduated as an actor and came back to Sydney, like most actors, I was like, where's the work? (laughs) So then I had to get a real job. Um, and a girlfriend of mine at the time who was pregnant, she um, suggested looking into being a doula. And like most people, I was like, what is a doula? And then once I found the Australian Doula College, which is where I did my training, um, I was hooked. So learning all things health and wellness around um, women and babies was mm-hmm. you know, super exciting. And um, I then after that went and did my yoga teacher training. So I um, studied to be a yoga teacher and then specialised in prenatal yoga as well. And then probably five years after I was sort of into the um, the doula gig, I then one of my beautiful girlfriends who lived in Sweden at the time was pregnant with her third baby and she asked if I could go over there to be her international doula. So that was pretty exciting. And then um, I kind of coincided doing a, a placenta encapsulation workshop in London. Great. So I added that to my belt as well. And then um, that's how I sort of manifested my own little business, really. Yeah, amazing. And so outside of doulering, which yes. is a new term that I've just learned, which uh-huh. is great, um, <laughs> what do you do with yourself and what do you like to do? So I love yoga, mm-hmm. um, yoga and meditation, and I've been doing a five-week cleanse online and um, diving into cooking and learning how to cook really nourishing, beautiful Ayurvedic food. Well, not necessarily just Ayurvedic food, but using the principles of Ayurveda. And um, that's something that I'm quite passionate about, um, especially with education with my clients as well and um, really looking into the postnatal care for women post-birth and looking at what foods are um, suitable and nourishing to the body once you've birthed a baby. And, you know, I guess like most people with lockdown and stuff like that, it's really given us the time and the space to be able to dive into doing a bit more study. 
Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Well, again, thank you for joining us. We're thank very you. excited. Tell us, I'm going to start with a very general question that you touched on it before, but what is a doula and what does a doula do? When I get asked this question, I often start with saying that the difference between a doula and a midwife is that a doula is a non-medical support person. So as doulas, we really look at holistic care. So uh, offering things like um, breathing and meditation techniques to women in labor and acupressure points. Um, and then also obviously the childbirth education side of it. So really working with couples throughout the pregnancy to look at a birth plan or birth wishes and um, understanding what my role is compared to what, say, a woman's partner's role is, because that's often another thing that comes up is um, a lot of women's partners will say, well, why do you need a doula? You've got me. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so doulas don't take over from dads or from partners. Um, it really is about creating a team because it really does take, like the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to birth a child. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the other part of being a doula really, um, which most women I think hire a doula for, is the advocating so having somebody in your birth space that can advocate for you, uh, especially in a hospital setting um, and can be a bit of a sounding board between, say, the medical staff and, um, yeah, and themselves. Yeah, amazing. And you just touched on it there as well. But um, for our listeners and, and for anybody else, but um, a doula can obviously be in a number of different settings. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a certain type of birth. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. So um, I, I, I've been a doula for 13 years. And over those 13 years, I've supported women um, in private hospitals. I've supported women in the public sector. I have supported women to birth their babies at home. Um, I've supported women that have had caesareans. I've supported women that have been pregnant with twins and have wanted to birth their babies vaginally. And um, I've had great success with that. And I have accidentally caught a baby at home <laughs> because the baby came quite quickly. So that was luckily six years into being a doula and not six days yes. into being a doula. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. So I guess, Lily, you'll probably jump in as well with your own experience um, having kids as well and birthing babies. I haven't. Um, so I have plenty of questions to ask you today, Brooke, um, about doulering, um, what that looks like, birth plans in women. Um, I think also where doula comes in, where a doula comes in, not only in the birthing process or in the labour process, but well before that as well. So start us off there in terms of what um, what it looks like for a pregnant lady or a pregnant woman to have a doula in that journey of being pregnant. So when does that start when that when might that come about mm. I had a woman recently who contacted me when she was six weeks pregnant um, because obviously it's a very exciting time in a woman's mm. life um, but I don't get started with women really until 12 weeks um, obviously those first 12 weeks of pregnancy is a time to really trust the process of the pregnancy establishing in a woman's body um, and her also just, I think, um, navigating those first 12 weeks often of either morning sickness or um, sometimes just the shock of either falling pregnant really quickly or maybe they've had a longer journey with conception. And then on the other scale of that, I've had women come to me when they're 38 weeks pregnant looking for a doula. Yeah. So I always say it's never too late until the baby's here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, so it, it, obviously when you hire a doula earlier on, then you get the most out of her. Um, and it really is also too about um, 
it's about forming a relationship with your doula. So um, there's a thing called continuity of care, which we talk a lot about within the birthing world. Um, and that is really looking at having a main care provider that you build a rapport and a relationship with that you trust um, so that on the day of your labour and birth, that that woman is there um, and that provides for that woman an enormous amount of space for her to surrender into the process of birth. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I think that it's absolutely pivotal throughout the pregnancy for women to to have that um, sort of earlier on support with a doula if they can. Yeah. Um, but definitely later on in the pregnancy, it's yeah still absolutely possible. Yeah, for sure. And what about post-birth as well? What's that kind of role of the doula um, post yeah, labor. Yeah, so I do two, I do two postnatal sessions with my clients after the birth. So once they've birthed the baby, um, I wait until they get home and they get settled if they're birthed in a hospital. Um, and within the sort of the first week, I will be there um, meeting with them. And the first session really is to debrief and to talk about the birth. Because the concern and the issue that we have in our society nowadays is that when women and their partners don't have the opportunity to debrief and discuss their birth, then they can hold on to that for, you know, years to come. I know stories of women that, you know, are in their 90s and they're talking about the trauma of their birth. Mm, and yeah. so we want to change that and not have women in their 90s talking about the trauma of their birth. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but that's going to carry on generation to generation too, right? If we've got women mm. in their 90s talking mm. about a traumatic birth or um, yeah. creating, I guess, this fear around birth, that's going to be passed down to their daughters, their granddaughters, their great-granddaughters. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so the debrief that I do postnatally is, yeah, it's vital mm. um, for the woman but also for the man because what we've got to realise is that men or if a woman, you know, has a, a female partner, they they've never experienced birth before. So I've been to over 300 and something births now. Wow. And so I always remember when I'm in the process of that journey with a couple is that, you know, he's seeing this birth with fresh eyes. And so there's certain things that I navigate in a birth where I, um, it may be if a woman's in the shower and there might be a bit of blood coming down her leg because her cervix is dilating. And I know that that's a normal physiological process of labor. And then sometimes I'll turn and look at the partner and he looks like a deer in headlights. <laughs> and so it's a matter of just saying, oh, that's normal. That's a part of labor. And then often I'll have partners say to me, um, the most important thing about having you there was when you turned to me and you said that it was normal. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's the little things um, that we forget, I think, especially when, you know, you haven't witnessed birth before. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And I was just going to say that um, we have three children and if I had had a doula with, with Jasper, our first child, things might have gone quite differently, you know. So, you know, he was meant to be a, um, he was a planned home birth that we had put so much pressure on ourselves because we were both chiropractors and we felt we were sort of holding up the flag of home birthing. Mm. And we had parents on both sides who were pretty anti-home birthing. And we had almost a point to prove. Now, had we had a doula there, we would probably had had a more um, sort of gentle, more um, rational explanation to people why we wanted to have a home birth. But we were still so militant about it. And I have a feeling that's why things actually went terribly wrong for us. So we have what was called a failed home birth. Yes, the language <laughs> is very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But having said that, we went on to have two 
home births to other home births, and this time with a lot more wisdom, a lot more support. You know, so amazing. Um, yeah, we did have another woman with us who was at the time. They weren't called doulas, so mm. I suppose it's a emerging profession, isn't it? Well, Literally. this is a really great mm. thing to address as well. Is so the word doula is it's a Greek word which means there is one terminology that says it means servant, which is <laughs> probably not my favourite. Um, but then there's another term which is to mother the mother, which I think is beautiful. Um, and so if we look at uh, history and we look at kind of the the journey of, of birth we weren't birthing in hospitals you know I mean it's only sort of been not that long since that journey from birthing at home then became quite medicalized and went into into hospitals and so women when they were birthing um, back in the day at home they were birthing with their with their grandmothers or their aunties or their sisters or their mothers and they were lay midwives or lay doulas um, and then as sort of time progressed and these lay midwives needed to be professionally trained then it was sort of either you go and train to be a midwife or you can then take the journey of being a doula so yeah I think it's a very special position in the community because back in the day the pregnant woman was the most special person in the tribe because she was giving birth or holding um, the genes to the next generation of people you mm. know whereas I don't feel women are honoring themselves enough these days you know they're still working till they're 38 or 36 weeks pregnant in very taxing jobs yes they're not often being given the best cut of food you know at the dinner table they take mm -hmm. the leftovers um, not nourished or honored and and sometimes a little bit bullied by their workplace, you know. So I really feel someone like you, Brooke, would help them um, honour their their process more mm. and maybe help to educate the people around them on how to take care of her um, during the process of pregnancy and then birth and beyond. Absolutely. I mean, I would love to see that all pregnant women had access to doulas. Um, and I know that in, I think it's in um, Holland, women the government provide postnatal doulas for women which i just think is incredible because that's another area that we're really lacking especially here in australia is that there's not a lot of postnatal support for women so if they've gone through the process of like what you were saying lily working up until 38 weeks and working in a stressful job and then transitioning then to having to birth a baby and if they don't have a doula present for their birth and don't have that support and they do come out the other end feeling quite traumatized by it um, who do they have on the other end to then navigate that with? So um, that's when we see the increase in postnatal depression, all sorts of things, women not feeling that, you know, they're capable of mothering their children or lacking the support because their partners are having to go back to work quite quickly. Um, but there is a bit of a rise I'm finding now as well with all these incredible businesses of supporting women postnatally. So we've got um, a lot of um, uh, meal delivery services, which I think is quite incredible. Um, and I know quite a few in Sydney that are doing that. So I do think that women are starting to understand the importance of nurturing themselves, um, especially post-birth. Well, I love the way that you um, are doing your Ayurvedic course because um, I was in a local health food shop recently and this guy came in with a big, long bit of paper with a recipe on it. And he said, um, I, did, I did all the ingredients to make lactation cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so Good sweet. Good for him. That's yeah. great. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. So kind of touching on that, that might be a nice little segue into the role of the man. Obviously, we know that there's a place for that, um, obviously, Mm. in conceiving the baby, but also in the birth and the labour of that. But just before we get to that, a little bit about your role in working with the the male or the father or the, the other partner. Um, how do you find that goes most of the time? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the father. And so I find that the most important thing really in that initial consultation where I meet a couple for the first time who are deciding on whether to have a doula, that it's really important to connect with the father. Um, because I think sometimes dads can feel a little bit left out or they can feel, like I said before, why do you need a doula? You've got me. And I will often sort of ask them what they do for a living. And if he says that he's an accountant or he says that he's a mechanic or whatever, I will often use the analogy of like, well, it's a little bit like me trying to jump into, you know, your job and do it for a day. I would have no idea. Yeah. And I think we place way too much pressure on men to be the only birth support person. Yeah on the day and they're given nine or 10 months to learn what I've learned in 13 years. Yeah, for sure. Um, And there's no way that they're going to remember all of that. So um, for me, it's really important to let the dad know that it's not, I'm not coming on board just to do with the mother. Yes. So it really is about me being there to support the father as well throughout the process. Yeah, and you touched on it before as well, but you, you know, you you then have that that perspective, I guess, when labour is is happening and things are progressing, and and dad's learning or the partner's learning just as much as the you know labouring mother is, that they have that obviously that emotional connection too, right? He's very emotionally connected to this birth. Exactly. You have that outside perspective yes. to kind of look at how things are progressing and and yes, especially yeah. when it's their first baby. I was at a. Um, I was with a couple about three weeks ago now and um, I went to their home when labour was starting to establish and um, when I first turn up to a couple's home, I just sort of often sit and observe. So there's not a lot of talking that goes on because it's very important to really hold that space for that woman to be in the zone with her labour. And if we start asking a woman too many questions and we're asking her to get out of her mammalian part of her brain and we're asking her to be in her prefrontal cortex, which is not the place that you want to birth a baby from. Yeah. Um, and so when I arrived at their home, I was just observing and watching what was going on for this woman. And um, the dad, after about an hour, turned to me and he said, I'm so glad you're here because I would have taken her to the hospital an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, that's lucky because we don't need to go just yet. Yeah. Um, and it was probably about an hour after that that we did end up going. But I think for him, he just felt so relieved to have somebody there who could observe and see the process of labour. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. and have that forward thinking of, you know, you've seen plenty of births. Exactly. You know what's coming. You know the signs. You know what's totally. Yeah. 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 And and that's sort of, you know, what we often say is that the number one kind of rookie mistake for a lot of couples when they don't have a doula is that you end up at the hospital way too early. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find yourself going through um pregnancy being almost like a relationship counsellor sometimes? This is a great question, <laughs> Lily, because um, I have actually been thinking about studying counselling or I'm looking at having, uh, I'm quite interested in holistic counselling. So, um, yeah, and I didn't actually realise until probably a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to a good friend of mine and um, I said to her, I really feel like I want to study something and I'm quite drawn to doing counselling. And then I said to her, you know what, I've actually really been doing that, haven't I, for the last 13 <laughs> yeah. years? Yeah. 
So yes, absolutely. It is definitely a, a huge role of being a doula um, is observing relationships, holding space for couples. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not a marriage counsellor. Um, and so there's, you know, that part that kind of comes in then for referring and knowing when to refer. But yeah, I, I think absolutely a, a pivotal part of being a doula is to is to know how to listen. Mm. I actually think that that's probably um, the greatest gift of a doula. If there's any, you know, women out there that are thinking of studying to be a doula, the number one thing to really learn is how to listen. Yeah. Yeah. So just throwing it in here because um, we've been married um, far too long, um, 37 years. Way <laughs> to go, Lily. Uh, I've known Leah for at least that long. So I just find that when a woman is in her um, throes of birthing, it is such an authentic experience, you know, and she's never been there before. And her partner, male or female, has never seen her ever express herself in that way before because, you know, how 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 could you express yourself that way? Mm. And it can be kind of interesting because um, the partner is is taken aback, I would say, with the energy behind um, birth. Mm. And maybe there's an inkling of that, you know, throughout the pregnancy because the woman's body changes so much. Yeah, I mean, he might have married somebody who was, you know, a size eight, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and suddenly, you know, she has put on a, a goodly fifteen or twenty kilos. Mm. So all those things, I wonder whether you come across that in your doula ring. So in, when I do my antenatal sessions with couples, um, it's often really navigating where the couple are at in terms of how connected they are with sharing certain things with each other. So a conversation that will often come up is, oh, my God, am I going to poo in front of my husband? Yes, so, you are. <laughs> so we have the poo conversation. Um, and some women, you know, are totally fine with it. And there's other women that it's their biggest fear is yeah. actually, you know, that thought of, oh, my God, I can't believe that that is going to happen. And then it's navigating that with her and, you know, looking at uh, labour and birth being very much a primal experience. Um, I remember my doula teacher saying that um, pregnancy is very romantic because you have this beautiful big belly and you can get, you know, pregnancy photos and it's also, you know, wonderful. And and then um, labour and birth is, is, it's not pretty. It's like tribal and it's yeah. animalistic and, you know, it's powerful, but it's certainly not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they're great conversations to have with women, um, yeah. especially if women are concerned about how they look or how others perceive them. You know, there's a lot of shedding of those kind of, um, I guess, well, shedding of the ego maybe, I guess, as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What yeah. will I look like? What will I sound like is yep. another one. Yeah. And then you often do find that once women are in the throes of labour, that it's the last thing that they care about. <laughs> I've had women say that I don't want to be naked and, you know, I don't want to poo in front of my partner and then, you know, we get into the hospital and within half an hour all the clothes are off and, yeah. you know, it's the last thing that they're thinking about. must be so interesting when you meet the couples and how they speak to each other. I mean, a lot of nuance mm. must come out for you then. Definitely, yeah. And this is the other thing, isn't it, is that, you know, I'm sharing such a sacred space with a couple and that woman is going to be the most vulnerable that she has ever been in her whole entire life and she's allowing me to be in that space with her. So the connection between a woman and her doula needs to be 
really quite strong. And so I always say to women, you know, interview at least three doulas because you do need to feel that you are hiring the right doula for you. I'm definitely not everybody's doula. Yeah. You're going to read the room. You're right because I remember with our last um, child, Arch, and we had um, two midwives, so one one was more or less like a doula, and I was trying to give birth, okay, and – Anthony and Vicky are just chatting about the footy and you know who who's playing the NRL game this weekend. <laughs> I was going, hey guys, I'm giving birth here. And I go, you're right, don't worry about it. And I thought <laughs> it was actually kind of a nice sort of um, lightening of the process because Maggie was helping me breathe and I was puffing and panting and mm. growling and carrying on and you know, these were just chatting about the footy. I thought, okay, so you read the room, Vicky, that's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, um, you know, Meg and I had it, you know, so. Yes. Like no, I it. sort of ban conversations around football. And <laughs> um, obviously at the moment I really ban conversations around COVID. Yes. Mm. So oh, anything yeah. that makes the woman laugh is totally acceptable. Yeah. But, yeah, the talking thing is it's interesting. You know, we really don't want to be talking too much in, in labour. And you do, you really enter what's called the kind of birthing vortex where time stands still half an hour can seem like forever yeah so kind of touching on that with you know talking about this male female sort of role or position in this uh, or in labor or in birth tell us we were talking before so i want to kind of tap you into yes this talking, is my favorite topic at the yes. moment talking about the roles or looking at especially the roles but looking at the energy of the masculine and the feminine so i have only in the last 12 months sort of dabbled into this topic and I did, a um, again, another online course at the beginning of the year with COVID um, by a beautiful man called David Data. And it was a course looking at the energies of the masculine and the feminine. And so obviously when, you know, two years ago somebody had asked me, I would have given probably the very stereotypical answer to what is feminine and what is masculine. And then when I really started to understand what the roles of the the masculine energy is, it is very much what a doula does. So someone told me once um, when I was starting to learn all this work, oh, you're in a, you hold space, so you're in a very masculine role. And I thought, wow, I thought that I was in a feminine role because of working with women. But then the more I started to learn, I realized actually, yes, I am. I'm very much in my masculine because I'm holding space. I'm very focused. I'm creating structure to a degree for for women Um, and I'm having to be very switched on. So I can't in the middle of the birth just totally, you know, lose it and start, you know, crying and (laughs) that's very feminine. Yes. Yeah. So I'm allowing the woman to do, you know, the woman that's birthing to be very much in her her feminine. Um, But the role of a doula can be very masculine. It, it's an it's an incredible um, conversation, really. I think for a lot of people nowadays to to really understand the. I mean, and we switch, don't we? Each day we switch. You know, there's moments in the birth where I am very much in those masculine kind of energies, but then there'll be moments where I have to really soften mm-hmm. and be in a much more vulnerable, um, feminine energy. So I need to ask you, Brooke, how do you take care of yourself? Because it is quite a mm. position of it's a response. great question yeah so I'm very obsessed with self-care mm. fortunately <laughs> um, and I am also very blessed that um, 
When I first started training as a doula, I then worked at the Australian Doula College where I did my training. So I was there for, I think, about a year and a half. Um, I was working, organising the student doulas and um, and job sharing with a- another woman there, Lucretia, who's a good girlfriend of mine and now a home birth midwife. And um, at the time we had a gentleman come in who was a chiropractor and he was running a training on um, the importance of chiropractic care through pregnancy. And so I sat in on that lecture and I was just blown away and I had never been under chiropractic care and I was quite interested about it. And so once I left the Australian Doula College, I then ended up getting a job working for this chiropractor and I continued for eight years to then work as a chiropractic assistant along with doing my um, doula work. So I don't, I mean, you can work as a doula full time if you want to do that, but um, that's not something that I have ever wanted to do full time because it is it takes a lot of um, physical, mental and emotional capability to, yeah. to be able to, to hold that space all the time. And so I was working part time for quite a few chiropractors. And so I learned a lot about chiropractic care. And so through that information and that knowledge that I've gained, I have all of my clients under chiropractic care. And um, I should one day, I have still, I've got all the statistics of the women that I've supported and um, them being under chiropractic care and the outcome of the births. And I've got a a beautiful girlfriend of mine who's a chiropractor and we said that one day we need to sit down and actually look at the data of that. Yeah. Um, So in answer to that, Lily, one of the things that I do absolutely after I've been at a birth, I go and get adjusted. Yeah. Um, I have many friends, thank God, (laughs) that are chiropractors. (laughs) So I do the rounds. I also see a Japanese acupuncturist. And the other thing I do is to get in the ocean as well um, or to get on my yoga mat. I have a bit of a ritual that when I come home from a birth, I always get in a nice hot shower. Yeah. Um, And it's just sort of a cleansing after being at a labour. And then early, you know, that next day I'll either get adjusted or get acupuncture or jump in the ocean um, or get on the yoga mat and meditate. Yeah. Yeah. Important. Yeah, super important, hey. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, if you don't do that as a doula, you will be burnt out pretty quickly. Yeah, and then you can't help anyone, can you? Absolutely. Yes. Yep. So kind of touching on all of this, um, when you're working with these women and these men and these partners that are, you know, about to welcome a life into this world, what's the importance of creating a birth plan with them? Um, obviously, that's a big part of your mm. role, you know, helping that plan sort of unfold on the day. But, yeah. you know, what's that process like? So I believe and what I have been, you know, taught as well as um, a doula is that having a birth plan or a lot of the time we call it birth wishes because people yes. get quite hung up on the word plan. So when women come to pregnancy, they could have spent their, well, most of the most women have spent their whole entire lives not really ever thinking about having a baby and getting on with enjoying life and doing what they're doing and then all of a sudden they fall pregnant and then they need to start to think about, you know, what do I need? What choices do I need to make? And you know, we were talking a bit before about misinformation. And I think one of the biggest misinformations is I'll just go with the flow. And this is probably one of my pet hates is this saying of like, oh, I'll just go with the flow. 
Um, that works okay sometimes in life, but not in birth. No. Yeah. So it's really it's really important to make sure that through your pregnancy that you do prepare and that you do plan and you you do all of that masculine stuff of structure and you know organizing and learning and and then when it comes to the actual day of labor, then that's when you go with the flow and yes. you surrender. Yeah. But you don't just step into the birthing kind of journey unprepared. Yeah. Yeah. So and a birth plan is, I think, one of the most important things. Yeah. It shows, especially if you're birthing in a hospital, because it will show the care providers in the hospital that one, you're educated, that you've prepared for your birth, that you know what your choices are, and that this is the type of birth that you would ideally like to have. That may then slightly go to the left or slightly go to the right. And you may need to come back or you may need to change things or you may not be able to have one thing and you may be able to get the other thing. Um, but once you've got that on um, paper and you hand it into your care provider around 37, 38 weeks and you have a discussion with them, it means then that when you turn up to the hospital in strong established labour, you don't have to answer those questions because you've already made those decisions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so how do you work with women and, and couples as they kind of go through that process of being pregnant and, and creating their birth plan to make it more of birth wishes. I love that terminology and I think it's really mm. important to establish that because, you know, a plan doesn't necessarily have to go to plan. Exactly. Um, and I think if we can get or if we get really, and I'm sure there are some women that do really hung up on it going exactly to plan is when, you know, we can kind of open space for things not quite mm. going to plan and that creating quite a traumatic experience for them. So yeah. how do you help these women and, and these couples navigate that idea of being yeah. fluid but not going with the flow, as yeah. you said? So in the three antenatal sessions that I do with couples, which is two hours face-to-face, -face, we sit down and we write out a birth plan. So we look at the different stages of labour. We look at what their choices are. So we look at what is pre-labour, what is established labour and what is the difference between those two, uh, especially with women's partners is looking at, for, especially for as a doula, educating them to have an understanding of being at home in the early phase of labour and what that looks like and then knowing what established labour looks like um, and what the choices are in terms of once you get to the hospital, you know, things like delayed cord clamping and skin to skin contact. Do you want to have a water birth and what does that look like? continuous monitoring or not having continuous monitoring what else um, and then also through the pregnancy we're looking at things like what are their choices around testing because this is another really big thing around and we sort of spoke a little bit about this before Lily I think uh, around communication so one of the biggest things that I find with women through pregnancy is that they will often say to me oh I didn't know that I had a choice yeah. oh I thought I had to do the gestational diabetes test Oh, I thought I had to do the strep B test. And that's because it's often, not always, but it's often communicated that way. Yeah. So when you come into your next appointment, we're going to do. Not when you come in for your next appointment, we advise you to do the strep B test or we advise you to do the gestational diabetes test because this is part of the hospital policy. How do you feel about that? Yeah. And it's not really ever communicated that way. So I think sometimes, especially in our society, a lot of women are raised to sort of be good little girls and to not create a fuss and that they don't like conflict either is a big thing that I hear a lot. 
And so for them to be able to express their needs can be quite hard because they don't want to go against what a medical professional is telling them to do because they know best. Yeah. And it's yeah. also, you know, first birth or subsequent birth, it's a vulnerable time for a woman as well, right? Absolutely. And, um, yeah. they, they hear these things. And I know, like, you know, obviously I haven't had a baby, but that would be on my mind is that, you know, a medical practitioners telling me this, well, that must be right for, for my mm. situation. But in actual fact, you know, yeah, I think having that conversation and for that woman to be heard yes. um, of what she wants and what she feels like or, or you know, why why should I have mm. that test done? Why exactly. is that appropriate for my or my current circumstance? Yeah. And it comes down to education because I, um, I remember having a client once who just wanted to decline everything. Yes. And then when I sat down and I asked her, why are you declining that test? She then couldn't tell me why she was declining it. And I said, can you see the importance of having the knowledge around understanding why you're saying no to something? Yeah. Because if you go into a hospital and you just decline something because you don't want to do it because it's a test, mm. but you don't have any understanding as to why you're declining it, then that's also not good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so. the thing, right? There's a time and place as well. Some of these tests we really need and some of them are Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all for intervention if yeah. it's needed. Correct. Um, yeah. And that's what I say to all of my clients is that I'm not just a tree-hugging hippie, yeah, um, <laughs> of a doula that it's home birth at all costs because yeah. I'm not that person. Yeah. I do love to hug trees and, and, and <laughs> I am probably a bit of a hippie at heart. But I also see that caesareans are an incredible intervention yeah. that thank God we have them because sometimes that's how babies need to be born. Yeah. So um, absolutely, you know, it, it's there for a reason. It's really navigating when that intervention is necessary and when it's not. And mm. this is where there's a lot of grey areas. Yeah. So there are a few words which um, while you're talking I, I love. So the wishes, the birth wishes. Yeah. Totally. Surrender. Uh, but for me also is the word trust okay mm. so so for you to come into someone's um, life i mean i would trust you completely to help me make some decisions because i know you would have more information than i would in mm. terms of um what the ins and outs and what i must have and what i have an option not to have mm. so it's like a concierge approach to um one's pregnancy you know is is tailored for that couple and also it's like having a, a big sister or an auntie um, who is very well educated and has great knowledge to help me um, gain my agency, you know, and have the birth I'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is the other thing about doulas as well that's really important for people to understand is that doulas don't tell couples what to do. Hmm. So doulas are there to offer information, education, and absolutely after 13 years I have a pretty good stack of resources now. <laughs> so I think a lot of women find that when they hire a doula, it takes out the having to research and find the best book or find the best chiropractor or find the best naturopath. That's definitely the concierge part of it. Um, but yeah, I absolutely never, ever tell couples what to do. So it's always about me giving them all of the information and the resources so that they can then go away and make an informed choice. Yeah. It's that empowerment too, right? It's empowering them to go, mm. you know, here are your options. Let's chat about them. Let's see what's on the table and, and let's, you know, help like, you make the right decision for, for what you need. Absolutely. And, you know, I work with so many couples that are completely different. Mm. So what is great for one couple is not necessarily what's going to work for another couple. Yeah. And then it's also my beliefs sort of are also not imposed on that. 
because there may be certain things that I would choose to do if I were having a baby that the couple that I'm working with wouldn't choose that. Yeah. So it's not really about what I want to do or what I want them to do. It's about what is best for them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And so I guess if we go from there onto when I was sort of preparing for this podcast and thinking about what we might talk about, I did some sort of market research with my group of friends and, and people in my life. Um, so I'm 24 and I feel like there's quite a divide in people my age or a little bit older and a little bit younger at the moment that there's, you know, that very sort of people who really want to go down that natural path pathway of, of um, you know, giving birth, um, whether that be just giving birth vaginally or whether that be more of that, you know, um, natural allied health on top of, you know, having, you know, a dual listing, a naturopath, an acupuncturist, doing all those really holistic approach to, to giving birth. And then there's another group that's, or another divide that's very just, you know, want to go down that medical intervention pathway, which is fine, but it's coming from a very fear-based mm. sort of perspective or, or this, I guess we talked about it before, that generational trauma of birth as well. Um, and it can come from social media. It can come from the way we talk about birth, the language we, we use around birth. But I just found it really interesting that there was such a clear divide that, you know, there was one mm. half that were very happy and, and really wanted to – or you know, assumed that they would experience birth very naturally and the other half that are making decisions now who aren't even pregnant or, you know, aiming to get pregnant in the short-term future that have already made those decisions based off the other women in their life and what they've experienced and, yeah, yeah really fear-based. This is why I think that it is so crucial that we educate women and men as well, but especially women, young girls, we educate them around birth from a very young age. And I feel very blessed because I was always raised with my mother who um, had nothing but positive things to say about the two. So I've got an older sister, two years older than me, and um, my mother always said to us that giving birth was the most amazing thing and that it was such an empowering and an incredible experience. And so I was never raised with any kind of fear around birth. Um, But if we look at you know, I guess the world that we're living in now, and this was the conversation we were having before, is that a lot of women are raised by watching TV programs or watching Hollywood movies where their first initiation into birth is watching a woman laying in a hospital bed with her legs in stirrups and she's screaming. Yeah. And then she pushes out this baby that looks like it's about six months old. Yeah. <laughs> So it's very challenging for me as a doula to watch any Hollywood films or to yeah. watch any TV shows because you just want to scream at the TV, yeah, because it's not – they don't portray the truth of birth. No. So um, I think that we need to start there. Yeah. Um, do you know, and if we even take that a step further, if we look at when young girls first get their, um, their menstruation and they first get their cycle – what kind of celebration do we have around this, especially in this country? Yeah, well, it's hidden, isn't it? You, totally. you hide it, you deal with it, and you don't talk about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, and, and that's so, just it. Yeah. So then that is also then going to permeate into how we educate young girls about birth. Yeah. If we're so, um, do you know, fearful or scared or embarrassed around their first menarche, mm. then how are we going to teach them? that birth is an empowering, positive experience. Yep, and that it can be a beautiful experience. Absolutely. Or it should be a beautiful, it is a beautiful experience and not this painful, scary, yeah. you know, horrifying experience. Mm. And for the men too, I think that's just as important. That, yes. Um, I was talking to my partner about it and, I mean, he has quite a good view on it. We talk about all this sort of stuff all the time, but 
um, I can totally see why young men have this idea in their head of birth being a really traumatic experience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because it's been sort of spoken about as being women's business. Correct, yeah. So then you have a man that, you know, sort of goes through his whole entire life and has no education or understanding about birth, falls in love, meets a woman, they decide to have a baby, and then now he's thrown into pregnancy and birth and is expected to know everything on the day to support the woman that he loves. Yeah. And then when he's in the process of labour and he sees her in pain, most men, well, all men, I would say, well, okay, most men (laughs) are very good at fixing things. Yes. Yeah. And so the way that coming back to that masculine and feminine, the way that the masculine brain works is that they want to fix things. And the thing with labour and birth is that there is nothing to fix. fix, yeah? yeah. So I often find that the challenge that men have watching the woman that they love in labour is that they feel like they're helpless because they can't do anything to fix it. Yeah. And so the education then is really around, well, what is there to fix? Yeah, it's a, it's a process yeah. and it's a journey that needs to evolve. So one of your previous comments, Brooke, that I took, um, which I really love, was that the mammalian brain compared to the prefrontal cortex. And do you feel that some people, you know, who were brought up on a farm, for instance, who've watched their their animals um, give birth, are they are they better prepared for that because they know it's looks impossible something coming out of that orifice, but you know it is going mm. that calf will be born. Mm. I mean, the psychology of birth, for instance. I mean. Yes, I do think so. But then sometimes I often hear this sort of expression of like, oh, well, women have been doing it for thousands of years. Yeah, why Why do we have to keep going to these childbirth education classes? Why do you have to do all of, you know, why do you have to keep seeing, you know, a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or, you know, it should just be easy. Yeah, women do it all the time. <laughs> So I think that, yes, if someone has been raised on a farm and they've seen animals birth, and I will often use the analogy of looking at mammals in the wild and how mammals in the wild will, um, they will find like a, a dark, closed, encaved area where they feel safe and protected and away from predators to birth their babies. And so us as human mammals, we need to find our own kind of cave-like environment. We just have to navigate that in often a hospital setting. And so as a doula, when I get to the hospital with a couple, I will often use the bathroom as being the dark, closed, cave-like environment because women or mammals, we don't want to be watched or observed when we're birthing babies. Yeah. Um, And if you take an animal from the wild or even a domesticated cat or a dog and they're in labour and it's not kind of, you know, it's not going the way that nature intended and you have to take them to a vet um, because the labour is obstructed or something, it will quite often lead to a caesarean because they're not in their natural habitat. And so I know stories of vets that will have, you know, a um, a part of the clinic that is more um, conducive to them to be able to birth their baby instead of like on a um, sterile, you know, metal table or something like that. Um, but as female human males, we uh, mammals, we have been able to navigate going from home, you know, hundreds of years ago birthing babies to now going into a hospital. And we can have beautiful, incredible births because I have witnessed it. Mm. But we do have to create that cave-like environment within a clinical setting. 
Yeah, and you're so right about that dark space. You do often hear of or um, see, you know, if women, are, I mean, particularly with social media these days, right, women or a lot of people are sharing a lot more of their birth stories and you do see that very dimmed light in the room. It's very moody. It's very sort of away from that white clinical, you know, stark mm. light. It is. it is. Yeah. So the thing around the lighting, which, and Lily, you can probably jump in here as well, um, it's all around the hormones because often women will labour in the middle of the night. So I yeah. often sort of, you know, make a joke saying that, I, most of the time as a doula you get called at one o'clock in the morning. It's very rare that I would be called to a birth at, you know, 12 p.m. or something like that. It's quite nice to be <laughs> called at 12 p.m. Um, but no, it's often at one or three o'clock in the morning. Um, and that's because melatonin is at its peak from about 11 p.m. at night till 4 a.m. in the morning. Melatonin and oxytocin, which is the hormone of love, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, that's what helps to contract the uterus and to get a woman into labour. So those two hormones are working together. Um, when you turn on bright lights, if you were to get up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet and you turn the light on, often you'll find it harder because the brain then thinks that it's daytime and then the brain starts to release more serotonin and it minimises the amount of melatonin. So we do need to try to keep um, a birthing um, environment for a woman quite dark. Mm. I mean, that's so, I mean, if you want the neural um, chemistry, I mean, just in brief, you know, oxytocin and adrenaline are diametrically opposed, you know, so one will contract smooth muscle, one will contract skeletal muscle, you know, so as, as you say, Brooke, you want the oxytocin to be um, more prevalent, you know, and adrenaline, serotonin, not to not to come into it till second stage, really, when a um, woman is dead in her power and she can actually skeletally push. Yes. But you want that dilatation to be something that's just... Um, organic it's almost like peristalsis and doing a poo you know you sort of can't make it happen mm. but once it's ready to come out you have some control you know so i know it's a bit of a gross sort of um example but it's almost like that so absolutely allowing it yeah mm. yes you need the adrenaline to push out the baby yeah <laughs> cool Yes. yes. Cool discussion. Very cool. Yeah, so really I guess it. it's, you know, having that conversation around positive birthing and positive labouring and that's exactly where you come in uh, in terms of your role with, with couples and, and preparing them, yeah, to labour and, and to give birth. Mm. Yeah, no, look, it's beautiful. When people sort of ask what I do for a living, it is hard to think that it is a job because it is such an incredible experience to, you know, to witness, you know, birth and to witness the power of the, you know, the feminine body. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Each birth is so different as well. So would you be okay if um, our listeners came in? Well, they, could they call you or, or email you? Absolutely, because yes. I think you have so much information that we are not going to cover tonight. You know, seriously, because yeah, yeah well, we could sit here for hours and yeah. just totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been, I could talk about birth. So. Yeah. But it's just so lovely. I mean, yeah. I think you've really given us a lot of good information tonight. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely pop um, a way for our listeners to contact you in the show notes and, and people can yeah contact you however which way you would like um, from there. But to finish us off or to tie us all up, Brooke, I would love you to share with our audience three little things that you as a doula would like to share with. Mm, yes, I love this question. Um, obviously, the first number one tip that I would give to any women out there that are pregnant or thinking of, of starting a family is absolutely to, to get in touch with a doula. Um, whether you're having your baby at home or whether you're birthing in a hospital, um, having the support of a doula through your pregnancy and your labour and birth is it's priceless. Yep. 
The second tip that I give to all of my clients is to engage the care of an incredible chiropractor. Um, I am super passionate about chiropractic care through pregnancy for the number one reason that when we look at optimal birthing positioning of the baby um, in utero, if that baby is in a posterior position or in a funny position because the pelvis is out of alignment, then it can make the labour a lot longer. And so often when I'm chatting to couples that are a bit hesitant about chiropractic, I explain what chiropractic is um, and how it's not only, well, it's not about cracking anything. It is about working with a woman's nervous system and it's about making sure that the brain is communicating effectively to the whole entire body and um, the importance of the brain communicating and talking to the uterus to contract efficiently throughout the labour. Um, and then obviously uh, making sure that the pelvis is in great alignment for that baby to be able to navigate the journey that the baby has to take. So um, when we think about the journey that the baby needs to navigate, it's a bit of a tricky one. And if you've Mm. got a wonky pelvis going on, um, then it makes it even more challenging often. So definitely getting under the care of a chiropractor, I'm more than happy to refer. Um, I know chiropractors all over Australia and internationally. So please reach out. Um, And the third tip really, especially um, when we're looking at kind of the present day and um, what we're facing at the moment, what the conversation I'm having with a lot of my clients is to really balance the amount of information you're taking in in regards to COVID and in regards to the political kind of environment that is happening at the moment. Um, When you're pregnant and you're so connected to your baby physically, mentally and emotionally, We need to be very aware how much we consume. And that's not just in regards to food and nutrition. We need to look at what are you consuming in terms of what are you watching, what are you listening to, um, what are you reading. Uh, And so I think that that's probably um, a pretty important tip at the moment is to really navigate the amount of um, negative kind of or stressful information that you're taking in. Yeah, I think that goes with um, any situation. I mean, it's heightened at the moment Absolutely. with the current one, but I think that goes with any pregnant, you know, when yeah. you're pregnant. Your baby feels what you feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I love that. Um, <laughs> I've definitely taken a lot away out of tonight's That's episode, great. which has been amazing. But yeah, like always, you can find us on Instagram at the three little things dot pod and on Facebook as the three little things. And we will share some of your details, Brooke. So yes, it's um, B birth. So you can find me on Instagram, um, B birth and my website B. So it's B E B I R T H dot com dot au beautiful um i'm sure you will have many people reaching out to you and and chatting chatting to you um but yeah thank you for joining us for episode five we're gonna wrap it up there and um please join us again next week thank you so much it's been a pleasure a quick disclaimer these episodes are not intended to replace help treatment or advice from your healthcare professionals The information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. This is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs. Please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns.